everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the ATB Pod. I'm your host, Chandler Adams, joined by co-host Eric Goose Geisler. We're here to talk mid-season awards today. MVP, not a quarterback? Defensive player of the year. Is he making a case for best defensive player in the NFL this year? And the coach of the year is not young and handsome. Wow. I thought, Eric, I thought to be a coach of the year, you had to be young and handsome. Well, it depends what lady you know. ask. Ha! That's a very good point. You know, the, the dad bod's coming back in, you know what I'm saying? But That's what they said. <laughs> Don't know if I trust them, but... Uh, yeah, so that's what we got for the show for you guys today. Uh, but before we get going with the pod, with the midseason awards, uh, I'm going to be a, a, little, a little somber here, but then I want to pick it back up. Uh, so my aunt Chrissy passed away this past Friday, Friday or Thursday. She passed away, and uh, everyone's reached everyone that's reached out. Thank you so much for your support. But something that's awesome that's happening in the community that Eric and I are from, uh, Club Two, Middle Point Firehouse Pizza, and Danny's Drive Through. They're all in that cluster in Middle Point. Uh, if you go by this weekend and um, buy food, beer, cigarettes, whatever you go by. Uh, they're going to donate 10%. All of them are going to donate 10% of their, um, purchase people that purchase anything through them will be donated to Patrick, her late husband, my step uncle and, uh, you know, her three kids, my, my grandparents and for the hospital bills, um, funeral bills, uh, all that shit. Funerals are just so expensive. I, I, I want to be burnt. I just want to be burnt, thrown in the backyard with the dogs. But so I just, uh, yeah, sorry to bum everyone out, but I just wanted to go go to those places. Go to the Club Two, Middle Point, Firehouse Pizza, or Danny's Drive Through. You can get anything from pizza to bug juice for your kid to Natty Light Thirty Pack if you're going out and partying and watching college football. But yeah, so go do that. Um. Now we're going to take a break for a quick pre-roll ad, and we'll be right back with the show. Across the Board Sports is brought to you by Thrive Fantasy. Daily prop bets for all kinds of sports, where thousands of dollars are up for grabs every single day. Want free money? Use the code ATB at sign up for a free $10. Download the free app in the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store, and don't forget, Use the code ATB at sign up for a free $10. Across the board sports, unique sports coverage. This podcast is also brought to you by Anchor.fm. Anchor.fm is so easy to use. It's simple, it's fast, it's effective. It's the easiest way to distribute your podcast to every major platform and in the quickest way. I've gone through other websites to host podcasts, and it's a pain in the butt. Anchor does it for you. Join Anchor.fm and do your podcast the right way. And if you're looking to start a podcast, contact one of us at ATV Sports as we're looking for podcasters for nearly every professional sports team right now. If you think you'd be a good fit, you can also apply at our website, www.atbsports.net. So we're going to dive right in with the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Eric, I'll give it a go, and then uh, I'll let you see what you think about it. Mine, not so surprising if you follow me on Twitter. 
There's this quarterback I have a huge crush on. His name's Kyler Mother Effin Murray. All right, the guy hasn't been amazing, but he's been way better than all these people, all these dinosaurs project. Oh, my receiver can't be five. My quarterback can't be five ten. He's got to be six six and Eli Manning because Eli Manning and Joe Flacco are so good. No, Kyler Murray behind a terrible offensive line, maybe one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. A brand new system that is just Cliff Kingbury's system is similar to other air raid offenses, but his is just ridiculous. I don't know the numbers, but they're it's like basically it, it's like going from seventh grade basketball to varsity basketball. The difference in how many times he runs three and four receivers compared to the next person. Uh, so Kyler Murray is thrown into the fire. He's completing 64% of his passes, which is huge because he's passing the ball the fifth most in the NFL as a rookie with one reliable receiver in Larry Fitzgerald. And Larry Fitzgerald does not fit Kyler Murray's play style. Andy Isabella fits Kyler Murray's play style. A running around quarterback, a quarterback that can break out of the pocket and make things happen with his legs, that's not Larry Fitzgerald. You know, Larry Fitzgerald, TJ Husmanzada, these guys are, I'm going to run my route and get to my spot. They like the dinosaur quarterbacks, but Kyler's making it work with Larry. He's got 2,229 yards, nine touchdowns, four interceptions, an 89.2 QBR, and a 70 PFF grade, which sits right around, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield. They're both right in the middle of the league, like 14 and 16. Uh, He's fifth in attempts, 11 in yards. Uh, he's quadrupled his big-time throw rate from 1.8 to 7.3% in the last month. A big-time throw is graded as PFF by basically something 20 yards or deeper down the field, which is a, it's a stat that matters in the NFL. Uh, you know, Baker Mayfield last year when he went off. Russell Wilson, those were the top two in big-time throws. Think about their second halves of the year last year. I mean, that's a stat that matters. Uh, that's how Big Ben's made his money. You need to be able to throw it deep down the field. That's how you win games. That's how you open up the game for everybody else. And most importantly, above all of this, he has three wins. Eric, with the roster constructed the way it is, with Cliff Kingsbury coming in, is there any way in hell you expected the Arizona Cardinals to go on a three-game winning streak? In In the preseason, no, I didn't. But it didn't take long watching the Cardinals to realize they're a focus group. They may, they may not have all the chess pieces on the right spot on the board. They have one freaking chess piece on the defense. Two, they have two decent defensive players. Sorry, go back on. But but they're, they're battling every single week. And mm-hmm. so a lot of that has to do with just the team being organized and who organizes the team, the coach and the quarterback. He's, and they, Cliff Kingsbury is blown me away. Yeah, they're playing tough. They've lost running backs. They brought in Kenyon Drake. They almost beat the Niners. Um, and and Kyler's just a superb athlete. I mean, the baseball fan in me wishes I was watching him play baseball even. But yeah, but I when like he's the, when when him and Russell Wilson are the top two quarterbacks in the NFL for the next ten years, you won't be mad. Oh, he's I fine. agree. I I wish I knew could see what he could do on the ball field, but I think he made the right mm-hmm. choice. Yeah, I but I I'm a I'm the biggest Kyler Murray fan there is. I I said from day one he's the best quarterback prospect in the past twenty years, and people get so pissed off at me. But 
I know everyone doesn't go by PFF, but numbers lie. Numbers don't ever lie, but people can. And Kyler Murray broke every statistical measurement, aside from his height. <laughs> get it? Whoa, oh, oh! I was late. I need to get better at those drops. But yeah, he broke every statistical measurement. He's projected to be like this. People have been giving me flack. I also, and I'll post the picture again today, or with this episode, I'll put a link to it. Eric, guess who I said would be the number one quarterback in the NFL so far this year, preseason? Russell Wilson. I said Russell freaking Wilson. I've never heard of him. but I got so much flack. I had people calling me the R word, that very derogatory word. I had people calling me a dumbass, and I was living it up. Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is a fantastic quarterback. But we were just talking about this for the two hours we've been sitting here not recording. Stats for quarterbacks can be inflated and you not be the best. Like, Russell Wilson is uh, – that's a whole different story. We'll go on that different time because we're going to talk about Russell Wilson later perhaps. But anyway, yeah, we'll go to your rookie of the year. But Kyler Murray has exceeded expectations even though he's a high prospect. You just don't always expect a quarterback – to come into the NFL with an air raid offense and succeed right away. But Cliff Kingsbury's proven what everyone knew about him, that he has a fantastic offensive system. But he's blown everyone away, you know, and shout out to the GM. I think his name's uh, Birch or something like that. Um, He went out and got a defensive mind that can run the defensive side of the ball and is letting Cliff run the offensive show. And, hey, the Cardinals are playing well. I, I don't know if this keeps up, but they're playing well. Yeah, the Cardinals are playing well. And Offensive Rookie of the Year is really a two-horse race. Um, you've got, I mean, obviously Kyler Murray. And I'm going to go ahead and take Josh Jacobs. And the only honorable mentions really is you know, Hollywood Brown, uh, McLaurin, and you could maybe go Gardner Minshew. But the two guys that we've selected have definitely differentiated themselves pretty far above mm-hmm. that crew. So Josh Jacobs, you know, he's drafted at you know running back of a team that is kind of a rough, tough spot to be a running back on, and he's seeing eight in the box quite a bit. And Gruden Gruden loves riding the rookie running backs. He he's rid, rid, actually ridden a few of them straight into the ground. I mean Cadillac Williams, if you're <laughs> old enough to remember him, he had an epic rookie. Are season. you are you saying if I'm old enough to remember him? Uh, he was, I was my just first talking to the audience. In- Oh, well, here's a little shout-out to Jason Adams. My dad's been in that fantasy league that I was talking to you about, Geisler. His Uh two running backs, when I first started watching uh, football and paying attention to fantasy, were Tiki Barber and Cadillac Williams. The Cadillac. Boy, did I have man crushes on both of them. I loved Cadillac. Yeah, I loved Tiki It was him and Ronnie Brown at Auburn. That was one of the best (laughs) uh, college duos I've ever seen. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Get back on to uh, telling the youngins what's up, you know, because I'm, I'm, well, I'm yeah, a very well, yeah. I mean, if, if you don't know about Cadillac Williams, then you should probably ask somebody. But uh, back to Josh Jacobs, he he's just running like an animal, and he actually has gotten through some devastating times. He was sick earlier in the year. He's got a shoulder injury. He's taking pregame shots for and all that. And despite that, he's already he already has 740 yards, and he's averaging four four point nine yards per carry. Despite a quarterback that doesn't throw deep, he's a, Derek Carr's efficient, but he doesn't throw deep. 
So the defense is creeping up. They know where the ball's going, and they know who, who it's going to, and he's still able to put up big yards. Now, I don't know about his long-term viability. If I'm picking one or the other, of course I'm taking Kyler Murray in like a GM-style draft. But just on player of the year level, I'll give him the nod over Kyler because compared to their peers, I think Jacob's stats are just a little more favorable. Even though stats only go so far in the NFL, for me, eyeball test is big too, but I just got to give the nod to Jacobs. Yeah, he's pretty much top 10 in every running back statistical category. You know, he's only seen an eight men in the box 16% of the time, which for starting right running backs is just a little above average. Uh, so he is seeing that a lot. They've played some tough defenses. You know, he's averaging, like you said, 4.9 yards per carry is huge for a rookie. You know, mm-hmm. uh, he and this is a, this is a little plug for Nick Chubb. He's not running the ball as well as Nick Chubb was as a rookie last year, but yeah, I mean he, he's sitting right there. I don't know if Josh Jacobs can ever be Nick Chubb um, all around game, but man, do I pray that freaking Gruden doesn't just ruin this kid. Uh, he, well, like he's just got a terrible history of just oh I like this back. Let's kill him. Yeah, and I love John Gruden, but he definitely does that. And the one question mark I had with Jacobs, I love the talent uh, coming into the combine and the draft. The one question was his workload. He he never carried <laughs> the load at, at Bama, and no, it's scary. So you had to wonder. Doesn't run you. Yeah, so you had to wonder: Can he handle the load? I mean, he did have good competition with Damian there at Bama, but at the same time, you would think there would have been some big games with 20 carries and there just weren't yeah but he's speaking of it now speaking of damian harris i mean you might agree with this we might see sony michelle get the boot next year he's done man to damian harris damian harris is a good ass runner i don't know if they're just kind of saving him because he ran a lot at alabama or what but i expect damian harris to have a big year next year with the look the 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 truth don't lie but and watch the tape. Michelle sucks. I said it last pod. I said it one before that. Just he sucks. All right. Sorry about it. Well, that that could be a conversation that uh, Keesler goes on about forever. But we're gonna yeah. transfer this over to defensive rookie of the year. Now I've got a player that everyone's gonna think, what the hell? But it's Josh Allen. Yeah, Josh Allen. It's, my defensive rookie of the year. Because I think most people forgot about Josh Allen, defensive end for Jacksonville, after the draft. Played at Kentucky. Broke all of Kentucky's records. Just was a stand, like, standing alone statistically last year in a senior year. Like, 15 sacks, something crazy like that. He goes to Jacksonville, which is the perfect place. Starts off the year super hot. He kind of He's kind of fizzled off. But here's the thing. There's not a definitive defensive rookie of the year this year. It's it's a pretty poor class, honestly. I was looking, you know, it's not just because I'm a Browns fan, but the way Greedy Williams has played um, under the circumstances he's been in. Greedy Williams has played well. Devin Bush has played well, but not nearly as good as I expected. Devin White has played awful. Christian Wilkins is in a terrible spot, but I think he's going to be great. Dexter Lawrence is just okay. This defensive rookie class is pretty pretty thin outside of two players but uh obviously we don't want to pick the same player and i'm just gonna assume geese or picked him but uh 
I so I picked Josh Allen, defensive end of Jacksonville, because he does have 18 tackles, eight sacks, and two forced fumbles. Eight sacks is two behind the leading uh, leader. So I, I, Josh Allen's playing well. Um, could he be playing better? Absolutely. But you know, playing with guys like Calais Campbell, Miles uh, Jack, AJ Bouye, that's gonna help him grow and. Yep. So Josh Allen, that's really all I got. I this is just a poor defensive class, really, for rookies. Well, the the thing about Josh Allen too, he's basically putting up the same numbers. Now it's hard to quantify defensive line numbers, but he he has identical numbers to Nick Bosa, and Allen's actually playing special teams as well, and which is here's tough. The, here's the thing between Bosa and Allen. Um, Buckeye nuts are crazy and Bose has been on more TV and people are like consumed by Minshew. But yeah, like, I don't know it. It's hard because Bose is obviously making more of an impact, but number of like, they're, they're not that far apart as people might think. Like people just think Bose is a, a one, a one man show clear cut favorite for defensive rookie of the year, which he should be a favorite, but like, I mean, Josh Allen, big second half. It's not. I mean, he just needs to, if he duplicates this in the second half and has 16 sacks and four forced fumbles, he'll get defensive rookie of the year. Well, and you're right too about the lack of candidates for this award. They're really, to me, the list is Nick Bosa, Devin Bush. I can give you some Josh Allen love, but I, I wouldn't have came up with it just because I guess I'm just not a deep soul like you. But, uh, oh, what? once you make, once you make the case, I can hear, I can hear the, logic behind it but well and the thing what with the hell did you Bo- call me a deep what you cut a, out a deep soul Thank what'd you. you think i called you, Thank you buddy i yeah. don't really know i That's i, deep, I couldn't think of thing <laughs> yeah but yeah i i'm gonna go with devin bush just because in in five pods now or 10 pod however many pods i've been on Yay. i have never really shared my sealer love and um the Steelers are playing some damn good ball right now. They they are not contenders. They are not anything beyond just a good watch. And and Tomlin's got the boys <laughs> playing hard. And Devin Bush plays basically the most important role on defense for that team. And he's getting better every week. He has 66 tackles. And I thought his coverage skills would be a little bit better. But he's not terrible. I, I've seen him get tore up a little bit over the middle. But everybody does. It's hard to pick a guy up that's already ran 10 yards and cover him unlike some of the other positions where you're right on the line of scrimmage with the but uh i really like what i see from devin bush now nick bosa is probably the chalk pick here because it's not just the numbers with him he's actually taken over two games that i've watched and when i say taken over i mean he seriously took oh, over he was, the quarterback was watching him the whole, I mean, the whole game. The, the Browns, he he was dominant in the Browns game, and he was dominant in the, uh, oh, I lost it. It was, it was he had three sacks. Redskins. Yeah. And it, so, I mean, when a defensive lineman takes over a game, it's something to behold. It's, you know, Aaron Donald's done it. it we've seen guys do it over the years. Miles Garrett. And that's what, it, that's what I was waiting for. I about, oh, guys, put hell, your boy TJ Watt does it. Yeah. Watt does it. And, and it, Shout when out that to happens, Neil Kulong, who's going to come on the show eventually. We had a long conversation about T.J. Watt being, I don't, it, do you, 
do you think he's underrated because JJ Watt was so elite? Or like what what why is this fascination with not giving TJ Watt any love? Well, I think it's I don't understand. I think it has to do with the perception of the defense as a whole. I think in order for Watt to get his publicity, any Steelers fan will tell you how good he is, but in order for him to get the notoriety, God, he's so good. The Steelers will have to get back in the perennial top 10 again on defense like they they used to be the number one d of forever yeah, and the steel curtain. and some of the guys on the team would be mediocre would have national hype just because the unit Here, was so here's the thing so you strong. get fitzpatrick is top it's a top level safety corner he's not elite yet he's making his way to there devin bush is on pace to be a very good linebacker tj watt and cameron hayward are one of the top duos of defensive linemen in the entire NFL. Now, I know you being a Steelers fan, you're going to try to say Tua and Bud Dupree deserve that too. They're not really that good. That's like That that would be like me saying Larry Larry Ogunjobi is one of the top players, though. Like, they're good good for your team, but when you look at the rest of the NFL, like, Tua's fine at what he does, but Cameron Hayward and TJ Watt could legitimately go start on any single defensive line in the NFL right now. I yeah, don't know Cameron if I can Hayward make the same for Tua. Awesome. He's so good. He's a he's a yeah. leader. He's a he's a he's a pl- he's just plug and play, stuff the line. And TJ Watt is is phenomenal for how small he is, how he gets past those tackles. But yeah, Devin Bush is a good one. I I definitely thought you were going with Nick Bosa, so now neither of us went with Nick Bosa for defensive player of the year, defensive rookie of the year. So that's a great look. But, no, I'm kidding. We both well, obviously he, said he's the best player in defense. He is. He's the best player. But I'm looking at 66 tackles, playing a keystone position of the defense. Yeah. And a, and a little bit of bias in there as well. You know, and he, he somehow he's got a he's got a touchdown. Yeah. You know, a sack. So. Yeah, I I don't agree. The only thing uh, about Devin Bush is his PFF grade has been awful because he's made yeah. a lot of big errors. He's made a lot of bad errors but uh nick bosa with a 90 pass rush grade oh god that's nasty i know Man, he is good. nasty the thing is chase young's gonna be even better than him but we gotta move on yeah. to our offensive and defensive players of the years not rookie and i actually have two defensive player of the year uh eric one sir eric kendricks of the minnesota vikings I don't think many people know Eric Kendricks, uh, so I'm going to give you his his little lowdown of the year. He's third in the NFL with solo tackles. He's third in the NFL with assists. He's like second in total combined. He has a forced fumble. He didn't miss a tackle in the month of October. A middle linebacker didn't miss a tackle in October. He recorded 11 pressures in October. Most of any off-ball linebacker. He recorded seven pass breakups. Five more than any other linebacker in the entire NFL. And he did not miss a single tackle, like I already said. He had a PFF grade of 92.5 for October. That's like, that's not elite. That's like Hall of Fame level grade. Um, The dude's playing out of his ass. And uh, I haven't heard a... I've never even heard the name Eric Kendricks pop up in the national media this year. Have you, Eric? Not really. I've I've seen him splash a few times on just the game, like when you watch the actual Vikings games. Yeah, but like nobody brings him up. No, not really. No. no. Uh, 
I don't understand it. Um, Eric Kendricks, you, sir, are playing phenomenal football. We see you over here. Uh, the other one I wanted to give this to was um, Alexander, the linebacker for the Broncos, and Isaiah Simmons, the safety for the Broncos. They're playing. They're they're literally ranked one and one at their respective positions. Alexander is a middle linebacker. Isaiah Simmons is a strong safety. They're ranked number one in the entire NFL all year by PFF. They're playing out of their ass. Isaiah Simmons has jumped so far in his second year. Oh, this is his third year, but he didn't play much his rookie year. His third year of the NFL, it's unbelievable. If you watch the Browns-Broncos games, you saw it pop. But Eric Kendricks, that's who I settled on. Uh, You're my NFC Defensive Player of the Year. And the AFC Defensive Player of the Year, I have to do it. Miles Garrett, no, it's not Homer. Listen to Miles' stats. And if this were... I know Miles gets talked about a little bit, but just if this were J.J. Watt, Aaron Donald, uh, Von Miller, Khalil Mack. So before the before the Broncos games, Broncos game, he was on pace for like 24 sacks. Break the record. He didn't get a sack in the Broncos game, but he did. Brandon Allen ducked down and hit the ground when Miles Garrett got to him, and Miles Garrett touched him on the ground. That should be a sack. You made the quarterback drop. That should be a freaking sack. Anyway, right now he has 10 sacks, two forced fumbles, 27 tackles. 11 of those are tackles for loss. 13 QB hits and a PFF grade of 91.6 for pass rushing. Miles Garrett is playing elite. I've seen Browns fans on Twitter saying, where's Miles Garrett? What Did Miles Garrett even play last night? Ladies and gentle turds, listen the hell up. And I'm not a genius, but I understand this. Miles Garrett is right now the best edge rusher in the entire NFL. Right now. Not he's not the, I'm not saying he's the best. You know, Khalil Max still in there, Von Miller, JJ Watt when he's healthy. But I would argue to my death, he's the best defensive end in football right now. Miles Garrett's getting double to triple teamed every play. And you want to know when he does get a sack? When he's left alone, and sometimes when he's still double teamed, they're putting two, they're putting a tackle and a guard on him most every single play, which means Vernon, Larry Ogunjobi, and Sheldon Richardson should be getting more plays. But Miles Garrett's getting two people put on him, and sometimes they're even chipping a, t- a tight end on him, bump him off of his stance, or running back to block him as well as a tackle. Miles Garrett's getting shit done. He's getting finally nationally recognized by the media. He's probably the freakiest athlete in the entire NFL. Uh, there's nobody built like him. We saw a spin move that Greg Williams wasn't letting him do. I don't know if you know this, Geese, or anybody out there listening, not a Browns fan. Greg Williams, the past defensive coordinator, actually didn't let Miles Garrett use his own moves. He said you can use two moves, which are the bull rush, and I think he let him use a, a, a rip through. That's just ridiculous. You saw his spin move. He got a QB hit, uh, two of them against the Denver Broncos on the spin move. Miles Garrett, sir, you are playing your ass off. You're one of the only bright spots outside of Joe Schobert and Joel Batonio in this entire Browns season. I love you. Keep it up. Whether you're a Browns fan or not, you got to respect when someone plays as good as he has. That was a lot. That was a lot. That's all right. Well, uh, I'll go ahead and 
name my AFC guy, and it's kind of, I kind of don't like the pick because of the schedule, but you can only play the teams that's on your schedule. So I'm going to go with Stephon Gilmore, the Patriots. Ooh. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and in 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 reality here, they they have played complete garbage teams, but every time hey, you know, watch watch yourself, young man. Well, <laughs> Cleveland's actually one of the better teams they've played. Which but is um, sad. Uh, and it, this kind of goes back to last year too is he he kind of emerged last year and, and this year trying to throw the ball at him is just is a fool's errand. He he only has 3 picks. But he, he's just shutting everybody down. It's number one defense in the league right now on paper. I, I'm not positive it really is the number one. I'll, I'm not sure it's not either. I just have to see more. But um, I would say they're definitely I, – I, 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 I understand what you're saying. Their schedule has been awful. But, like, there's just not that many elite defenses in the NFL this year. No, there's not. And I definitely thought the Ravens were going to be – that's that fucking pissed down the drain. To me, the most important things is is forced turnovers. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody gives up twenty points. So what sets you apart is, you know, who can get the ball and the Patriots can get the ball. And that what they're doing is strange. How they don't have a coordinator. And I've I've often wondered like if teams can't find the right candidate, why not Johnny Holstaff it for a little while instead of just making a token hire. You, you know what I mean? I mean, you get a play yeah. caller. You get a play caller, but why put somebody in charge that you don't think's the right fit? Um, you want to? Here's a little stat on Steph Steph Gilmore for you. Fifty-four targets, which is eighth most in the NFL. Uh huh. Twenty-six receptions allowed. Yeah, which is, and that's that's way low. That's freaking unbelievable. To put that in perspective, that's like. That's by far the best in the league. And by he's far. going against elite receivers, too. It's not like a slot corner or a, you know, somebody <laughs> he guard, going against. He guarded a guy named OBJ. Uh, yeah. Shut him down. Didn't hear about him. He's been great. Yeah, yeah. I don't disagree with that pick at all. Last year, he was by far the best man corner in the entire NFL. And he, he still is. And, and the cornerbacks, they rise to power. It's like the Roman Empire, you know. the The best corner rises to power quickly in a, in a in a huge rush. They get all the money and then they disappear. And like, mm-hmm. I I don't know how long he's gonna stay on the mountain, but right now he's the man on the mountain. And then uh, the NFC, I'm just gonna go old school here. His stats aren't even that great, but I love the team and I love what he does. Uh, go with Bobby Wagner of Seattle. He's just uh, best middle linebacker in the NFL history. I, yeah, I don't I don't know about history, but he he's the best linebacker right now, and he oh has God. been now for a few years. And Seattle's defense has been taking a little bit of a step back over the last few years, but they're still solid. Now Tampa tore him up last week, but it's it is what it is with those guys. But I just I just like Bobby Wagner, and I really didn't see a ton of. Defense is a, is a tough spot anymore because the num- the number one tacklers, a lot of them are on pitiful teams. A lot of the the big sack artists, you're not real sure if it's a product of the environment. Like that guy that from Tampa that's breaking out. Um, what's his name? Devontae David. No, Shaq. 
Um, oh, Shaquille Barrett? Yeah, he's going insane. He's playing good ball right now, but how can you go player of the year on a team that you don't even respect, you know? It's Yeah. You you can. You can take make that pick. Like if it was if you throw out the records, I might go with Shaquille. But uh you know, Bobby Wagner's playing the for problem is, part of it, the best team. Part of it is your history. Shaquille yeah. Barrett's been trash a trash basket his entire career, like Yeah. It's just what happens. Part of your voting is have you been good in the past? Because you can't be defensive player of the year if you were the worst last year, and then all of a sudden you have a good couple games. Like, I mean, he might he might keep on this pace, but I don't see it happening. Yeah, I agree with with that assessment. And Bobby Wagner is until I see otherwise. If if nobody's going insane, I'm gonna go with a guy like Bobby Wagner. Now, the only thing that can put somebody above him is somebody on a good team that just is undeniable. And right now in, in the NFC, I don't see it. So Nobody in NFL history, especially linebackers, not even close, has uh, come even close to the amount of tackles Bobby Wagner went without a missed tackle over, like, it was like 2017 to 2018 or something like that. He had hundreds of tackles without a missed tackle. That's... And crazy. he was the best coverage linebacker in the NFL for like five years straight. He still is. And that's the thing. That's the most important thing right now. Tackles are sexy. You know, the, the dude from Indy, Leonard, he piles them up. He's a, you know, he's, a, I'm not hating on him. He's a good player. But the coverage is where it's at now with, with the way offenses yeah. do things. Uh, and that doesn't even get reflected in, in the box score a lot of times because no. you actually lose tackles for being good at coverage. Yeah, yeah, you have to – that's something that – that's why I rely on PFF. They're very good at getting linebacker coverage grades out because they understand that, like, hey, we've got to um, show these people, like, what's going on outside the tackles. You know, people are going to think we're sponsored by PFF, and we're far from that. I am just an addict. Um, yeah, you're a fanboy, and I, I like am, PFF too. There's nothing I like more than turning on the game Sunday night and watching the starting lineup and the guy saying – washington state university and then they show his little pff grade and then you immediately think well that guy sucks or that yep. <laughs> you know because you respect yeah, it's the nice grade. That they should you want to know why they show that on sunday night football because mr chris collinsworth is the voice i mean he's the face of pff now yeah uh he also is the face of the company in which i work for western and southern and now western and southern sponsors pff so I don't really? think anything will ever happen from it, but it makes me eek. So basically your whole life uh, up until now has been just a sideshow to direct you towards PFF. That's what I'm thinking. I think yeah. PFF's going to hear this. Steve Palazzolo is going to hear this podcast and be like, we need that dumbass in our, our analytics department. And I'll be yeah. like, dude, I don't know how to do one plus one in Excel. And he'll be like, you're hired. <laughs> but uh i do know how to use excel because business classes suck on to offensive player of the year i'm gonna make mine super short super sweet russell wilson best quarterback in the nfl top five quarterback in nfl history he's third in pass yards first in touchdowns first in interceptions uh for lowest interceptions a 22 to 1 ratio and a 92 pff grade best quarterback in the nfl like i said in the preseason f all of you that said i was stupid yeah i said it boom that's all I got. That's all you Russell got. Wilson, undeniable. Okay, well, offensive player of the year, it's typically goes to a running back or 
uh, quarterback. That's just how it works. But uh, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go a different direction, and I love the Saints, what they've done this year, and it's it's hard to really identify what the key is there because you know Drew Brees was hurt and they just kept trucking, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and give some love to former Buckeye Mike Thomas. I mean. He could he could retire right now, and people would look back on his 2019 stat line, and think he played 16 games, and he still has seven games left. He's got 73 catches, 875 yards, four touchdowns, and with Teddy Bridgewater the, for five. Yeah, games. with Teddy Bridgewater, and on top of that, everybody knows who they're throwing to. It, this isn't a Rams situation where. You know, they have five guys that can catch the ball, the running back, tight end, three wideouts. This is straight up. We're going to throw to Mike Thomas, and then we're going to throw to Mike Thomas, and then we're going to throw to Mike Thomas, and then we're going to throw to Mike Thomas. And they still throw to Mike Thomas. And that's that's basically a simple thing for me. It's a great team, and he's their best player. So that's who, that's who I'm giving the offensive player to. I don't disagree with that at all. Uh, to put into perspective how good Michael Thomas is, I had him in my NFL franchise on Madden. I had Blake Bortles as my quarterback, and Michael Thomas had 42 touchdowns, 3,500 yards, and like 200 receptions or something like that. Then, in real life, Mike Thomas might be that, better. Yeah, and I traded for <laughs> Tyreek Hill, and I ran Michael Thomas on a slant route and Tyreek Hill on a go route every time. One of them was wide open. It wasn't even funny. I won the Super Bowl, and I am far inferior than my friends in franchise mode, but I won. Blake Bortles, Tyreek Hill, Michael Thomas. Basically, you put that together in real life, and you'd get a Super Bowl right away is what I'm trying to say. No, Michael Thomas is great. Uh, it's kind of cool for being from Ohio and having two Buckeyes uh, could be on this list, you know, Bosa and um, Michael Thomas and They've been putting out some product. I was just talking with Zach Prophet the other day. The Ohio State product that's been put out is insane because, you know, everyone can remember from 2007 to 2013, it was just kind of like, is there a dude in the league outside of Malcolm Jenkins? It was offensive linemen, and they've still never had – They've still never had an elite quarterback go in. Uh, You hope it could be Dwayne Haskins, but there's never been a good Ohio State quarterback in the NFL, like a great offensive quarterback. Haskins looks really bad. He does, but I people have been thrown into situations. I mean, Drew Brees looked worse than he did when he was a rookie and a second-year guy and a third-year guy, but that's Drew Brees. Um, on sec. All right, well, that's perfect time. Take a quick break here yeah. to talk to you about Thrive. Uh, go to... It's on the App Store. It's on the Google Play Store. Uh, it's the Thrive Fantasy app. It's also available at thrivefantasy.com. Use code ATB at sign up for a free $10 after your $10 or more deposit. Um, I know somebody, Jacob Pollock, had an issue with getting the $10. If that happens, let me know right away, and I will make sure that they get you your $10 because uh, – that would not be fair. So let me know if anything goes wrong. But uh, it's worked for me. It's worked for Geisler. Uh, worked for a couple people. Jacob had a little bit of an issue. But we'll get it figured out. So let us know. It, 
Thrive is fun, guys. It's the best prop betting app and um, website out there. Basically, what they do is they give you 20 props. Uh, you got to pick 10 of them. Uh, you know, will this player go over under this stat? The least likely will have a higher point percentage. You got to get the most points to win to so get the most right. Um, it's win thousands of dollars. It's fun. It takes Geisler plays it. It takes the like you don't have to do all this research on DFS stuff. Like they just put it there and you look at and you're kind of like, oh yeah, okay. It it just takes a lot of it's a lot quicker than your daily fantasy sports and i don't know we really like it it's a lot of fun go it's find really, it in the app store google play it's a really smooth app too and the the interface it is. is it's real nice looking plus i love it i know nfl's king but if you're into nba the the night you can play it nightly and it's they're pretty fun bets i mean and i've done i've had some success on there already it's yeah, not it's a, a lot of fun. Yeah. I enjoy it. Well, speaking of success, this guy's a little more successful than Eric, uh, just a bit. We're going to go to Coach of the Year. And my reasoning for it is going to be as quick as his name. Sean Payton of the Saints. He went 5-0 and with Teddy Bridgewater against the Seahawks, the Cowboys, the Buccaneers, the Jags, and the Bears. That's a nasty five-game stretch. Everyone thought they were done. Teddy Bridgewater comes in and goes, hey, I might not have any knees left, but I've got five games and I'll win them all. Sean Payton. Man's a freaking mastermind. That's who my coach of the year is right now. Yeah, I'm going to take Kyle Shanahan. Oh, so they can be young and handsome. Yeah, he is young and handsome. and He's very young and handsome. All these teams with knee-jerk reactions to their head coaching position need to really see what the Niners did there because they had a disaster season last year. You know, Shanahan was hired in 2017. He finished strong, but the the overall season was not good. He had two bad years. Yeah, two bad years, and they they still believed in him. I don't I don't even think he was on the hot seat. Like if he was in certain cities, he would have been firmly on the hot seat. And this guy's proven, oh, I guarantee the Washington Redskins wish they didn't let him out of town. And uh, I think he even had a little short stay with the Browns there. But uh, Yeah, because the Browns are a breeding ground for elite coaches. Yeah. Nick Saban, Bill Belichick, Kyle Shanahan. Dude, yep. that's, that's, I mean, first of all, that's the two, that's the best NFL coach ever, best college coach ever, and then one of the greatest offensive minds in the entire league. I'm not saying. I'm just saying the Browns are pretty much elite. They're elite. If you yeah, take all of our Super Bowls that we've won from coaches, whoo, baby. <laughs> well, and and they need to they need to learn the lesson of. Now I know he wasn't the head coach there, but they, some of these teams need to learn the lesson. Okay, you went through the interview process. You got a guy you liked. Go with him for a while. Don't don't fire him now. That's not an end-all, be-all philosophy. There are times when the guy needs fired. But if if you you need to analyze each situation as a fresh situation. You can't just be like, well, he lost these many games. I don't like him anymore. Okay, analyze how are the guys playing hard for him? Is he organized? Is Do the, do the coaches respect him? Like, these are all things that need to be considered. If a guy's four 
and 12, but the answer is yes to organizational questions, you know, professionalism. Stay with the guy for a while. He's, you, you don't, Rome wasn't built in a day. I mean, and look at Kyle Shanahan mm. now, you know, 8-0, completely dominating people, running the ball like, you know, the 85 Bears, and I, st- I still don't understand how how they're doing it, but they're doing it, and he's just done a phenomenal job this season. And Sean Payton, if I'm picking a coach, I'm picking Sean Payton over Shanahan, but th- for this award, I'm going Shanahan. Yeah, but wait, so for a second, you're saying that when Shanahan was on the Browns for one year in 2014, they shouldn't have succeeded. They had Brian Hoyer, Miles Austin, Andrew Hawkins, and Jordan Cameron. Dude, these people were loaded. Yeah, well, they... No. <laughs> they that, He bailed out the, of town, I think. Did they fire I mean, him I'm or, sure he, or did he leave? I honestly think he left because he had an opportunity to go down with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. Oh, that's right. And look where they went after Shanahan left, too. I forgot. You know what you do? You know what you do when an offensive coordinator like Shanahan says, hey, I'm going to go down to the Falcons. You say, "Uh, Mike Pettin, get the fuck out of the office. Shanahan, here you go. Sit down. Your roster. Like, that's what you got to do. And unless you're Bill Belichick and you can just, like, Josh McDaniels, you're staying with me. Yeah. Why, why is that, Bill? Because I said so. On to the next game. Like, unless you're Bill Belichick and convince one of the greatest offensive minds in the NFL to just keep staying around, uh, you got to just offer them a higher up position. Hire them more money. You can't – that's uh, – we, we, we can't stay on that. But that's the problem with the Browns. Like, outside of the crazy fans already wanting Freddie gone, like, I'm not saying Freddie's doing a great job. But, dear – God, go look at the records of some of the greatest coaches of all times through eight games. I know they didn't all have the talent the Browns did, but you got to put context into it. This Browns team was just put together. They've played eight games together, this team. Brand new offensive coordinator, brand new head coach, brand new defensive coordinator. It's just like context matters. The third youngest team in the NFL, they, they don't have veterans. Like Now, a different head coach came available that was – you know, worthwhile, I'd be like, yeah, get, get Freddie Kitchens out of there. But well, with the Browns situation too, I'm they need to. What I'm saying with these head coaches, Browns, any any team, they need to stay out of the hype train, the Twitter sphere, they and they need to go into their building and analyze the coach. You cannot fire a coach solely because he's losing games. If you if you watch from the catbird seat and you determine that, that the man's doing a good job, keep him. That's yep. all I'm saying. And that, yep. Losing games is is less important than the process because if the coach knows the proper process, when it's time to win, you will win. Yep. I completely agree. We're going to skip the most over and underwhelming players. I'm just going to give you mine where I'm not going to talk about them. My most overwhelming, Dalvin Cook, didn't think he'd be this good. Baker Mayfield, underwhelming, thought he played better. But, um, Geeser, who are yours going to be? I just don't want to talk about them. Well, overwhelming, I was going to go Lamar uh, Jackson. And then underwhelming, I had a little duo of Le'Veon and Phillip Rivers. Le'Veon Bell and Phillip Rivers. Yeah. Rivers looks bad. I mean... He does. It looks bad, it looks but he bad. doesn't have an offensive line. No, he's I, just he's done. I think. Yeah. Speaking of, I I don't really know how to 
I don't know how to transition this. It's not it just eh, eh, rewind. All right. Not speaking of, but MVPs of the league. Never thought in a million years I'd say this. I didn't think he was going to be good coming out of college. I didn't think he was going to be able to be a workhorse. Didn't think I'd ever say running back that was white would win the MVP. That's just crazy. I mean, he's unlike anybody at his position. Uh, I, and this like race has nothing to do with it. Dude, but, you're um, not going to select Rex Burkhead as MVP, are you? Because I'll stop you right now. I'm not. I'm going Danny <laughs> Vitale, fullback oh. of the Green Bay Packers. No, but it does. It doesn't matter. But it does. Like if you look at white running backs over the years, there's Danny Woodhead, Peyton Hillis, Rex Burkhead, uh, and then Christian McCaffrey. I mean, it's just it does. It does matter. He's different than everyone else. It's. I mean, it's like when Warren Moon came into the NFL. He's different than anyone else. It's a spectacle. It's more fun to watch because it's just different. You like different things. That's why people like DeAndre Hopkins. He's 6'4", hands are longer than his feet, and he's just different. Tyreek Hill is 5'10", but he's the most explosive and one of the best leap ball catchers in the NFL. It's different. CMC's different. And not just because he's white. That, that God, I sound like some psycho racist no it's he's different because he's one of the best receivers in the league and he's a running back he's different because he's one of the more slender built running backs in the league but he's a workhorse and he runs between the tackles everything about cmc is against the grain does that make sense or do i sound like some psycho racist before i keep going no it's ab- they would be oh well they they would have they would, or, they would have zero wins I think looking at their schedule because one or two yeah, I know you've points. argued me about this. Kyle Allen's not a good not a good quarterback. I know people aren't always on PFF, but just I test and then PFF they have him as like the twenty eighth best quarterback in the NFL. And not the worst, but I never Ryan said Fitzpatrick's in the league. Oh okay, you're Jacoby Brissett who was yeah, ranked twenty sixth by PFF. Yeah. yeah, real good. Um, I'm kidding. Jacoby Brissett's a winner. I just don't think he's a good quarterback. That makes, He's not a talented quarterback. He's a good winner. But CMC, everything about him is different. He has 10 rushing touchdowns, three receiving touchdowns, which is low. I thought he had a lot more receiving touchdowns, but he gets so many catches and yards. He will. 881 rush yards and 331 receiving yards already. We're halfway through the season, and he has well over 1,000 scrimmage yards. That's mind-boggling. Uh. And he had a game where he had nothing against the San Francisco 49ers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers twice. Okay, so not one game. He's had three games where he's literally done nothing statistically. Actually, no, he ended up going off against the 49ers, just not yardage-wise. Touchdown-wise, he did. But yardage, he was held short by the 49ers. And against the Buccaneers, he literally had nothing. Nothing going anywhere. Everything about this man is just crazy. So if you go through some of the big wins they've had, carrying a running back carrying his team on his back is just also different. That's like the only word I can think of for CMC. He carried a subpar quarterback, a bad offensive line, a bad receiving core, a bad defense overall to beat the Texans, the Jaguars, the Buccaneers, the Titans. Now the Bucks and Titans records aren't and the Jags records aren't aren't amazing but those are three good teams like those are teams that can win on every any given week uh cmc has to be the mvp as if the the true meaning 
is most valuable player to their team. Most valuable. Now, Russell Wilson's obviously in that conversation because I think, you know, things might definitely go haywire if Russell Wilson isn't the quarterback. But they might they might still get a couple wins. They've got a good receiving core. They've got a great running back. They've got a good defensive players. It has to be Christian McCaffrey because without him, we've saw, we've seen what these Panthers are without Christian McCaffrey, and it's ugly. He is the most valuable player in the NFL to his team, if that's what the true meaning of MVP is, Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I completely buy your argument on McCaffrey, and what really sets him apart is his durability. He's play, He plays, a, I think, 95% of the snaps. Yeah, it was 98 at one point. Yeah, so there's not even another guy that comes in. And then he's got that short area quickness that allows him to just get three yards every time. And inexplicably, the only teams that shut him down is Tampa. And I think Tampa is just having a terrible defensive philosophy this year, and that's why they're shutting down the run. But basically, I I agree with your pick, but I have to go probably with the chalk pick. And I don't like being chalk, but sometimes there's there's just I can't see past the obvious, and this is one of those times with Russell Wilson. Now you're you're seeing a guy here who's had a great career, and you're seeing a career year. The twenty two touchdowns to one interception right now is absolutely absurd. He's thrown a touchdown seven point five percent of his attempts which is actually only the second highest mark of his career last year was 8.2 and i think some of that is the game plan they're going with a lot more run so his passing is actually more effective and that's why it's important to have a good quarterback in a system that likes to run because if you run 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 and then you do go to the air and the guy blows it like you're done so he's just a perfect fit with pete carroll those two guys together probably don't even have to talk anymore they probably just look at each other and you know wink or nod their eyebrows and they're like yeah i know what you're saying bro and uh you're just looking at the greatest one of the greatest nfl seasons in nfl history at the halfway mark you know the qb ratings 118.2 absurd 22 to 1 touchdown rate absurd um and just an absolute leader and a football genius on the field he's going to call the right plays at the line of scrimmage and with the addition of Josh Gordon, I expect even higher heights. Um, I, I don't know what Gordon's got left in the tank, and I'm not huge on DK Metcalf, but you're looking at a trio where the sum, to me, is good, even if even if I think a couple of them might be overhyped. But you're looking at a guy that made Doug Baldwin into a star, and I don't think Doug Baldwin was even... I'm not I'm not down on Doug Baldwin, but I, I don't think he was much above, you know, just regular wide receiver level in the NFL. And the guy was just insane at catching touchdowns. That, it was all Russell Wilson. And, yeah, it's I don't see any other pick right now. And I think Seattle's going to go to the Super Bowl, in my, in my opinion. Now, it's hard to call Super Bowl picks because crazy stuff happens. You know, there's blizzards, there's 40-mile-an-hour winds, and on a Sunday, and then all of a sudden some dirtbag comes in and runs the ball 97 times and wins 6-3. to three. But if i got to put my money down, I'm I'm taking Russell Wilson, Super Bowl. 
um, and MVP. I think he will win the MVP. I think Chandler's pick was a very educated pick, and but I think Russell will win it. Oh, for sure. I don't think Christian McCaffrey will win it. I no. this is who I think should win it. But it's just how it goes. Like running backs Qu- don't quarterbacks. Win. It, it's kind of a flawed system. Like in all reality, it's always going to be a quarterback. But that's the way it goes, I guess. It's the most yeah. important sport position in American sports, outside of maybe starting pitcher in in baseball. Yeah. But, all right, well, that's I mean that's an absolutely great pick, and we would go to the mailbag right now, but nobody sent anything in. <laughs> thanks, thanks y'all. Um, so question for you, Eric. I have a couple trivia questions. If you want to play a quick round, lightning round of five questions of trivia. Yeah, I'll get them all correct anyway. So, well, I'm gonna cue the thinking music, and that's not gonna happen. Okay. Okay, the thinking music's rolling, and I'm gonna make the first one. I'll make it easy but hard on you. What player led the NFL with 27 rushing yards in 2003? And here are your options. Marshall Falk, Jamal Lewis, Priest Holmes, Amon Green. How many rushing yards? 27 rushing touchdowns. Oh, that'd be... In uh, 2003. That'd be uh, Priest Holmes. Priest Holmes is your answer? Yeah. Correct. Yeah, baby. You are one for one. Good job, Go sir. Wolverines, yeah. No, I'd hate Wolverines. This is though. another one for you because you're old. Yeah. Which I mean, player? Oh, what were you about to say, old man? Oh, that was that was like taking uh, candy from a baby on that first one to an old man like oh, I can't believe you take candy from a baby. Do you guys hear that? He takes candy from babies. Oh, I actually do. Sorry, Hazel. I did that quite a bit <laughs> last week. <laughs> Which player? Holds the NFL record for the longest interception return. This is an easy one. Ronnie Lott, Ed Reed, Eric Berry, or Deion Sanders? Um, I believe... Now, I don't have any concrete evidence, but I believe it's Ed Reed. Is that your final answer? Yeah, and I think... I, whoever it was, I think it was like 107 yards. You are correct on both ends. And he also has the second longest interception return with 106 yards. Nice. I remember the yardage total for some reason, and and I don't know why. Yeah, me too. I remember the play. I remember the play. He intercepted it in the back left corner of the end zone. I remember it. He's the this is a This is a uh, – no, he's not. This is a, this is a hard one. This is a guess. What Motown singer tried out for the Detroit Lions in 1970? Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder, Lionel Richie. I love Lionel Richie. Or Smokey Robinson, for all you Office fans. Smokey Robinson is not dead. Well, I like The Office, and it's it's got to be either Marvin Gaye or Smokey. I will go with Marvin Gaye because he's kind of a bigger dude. Marvin Gaye is. He's the best musician on that list. Lionel Richie is, but Marvin Gaye is correct. He bulked up nearly 30 pounds and trained with future Hall of Fame tight end Charlie Sanders while preparing for his tryout. He didn't make the cut, 
but he remained close to several players who sang background vocals on the 1971 hit what's going on Love so that's pretty cool he remained close to several of the players and the players actually ended up singing backup in one of his songs that what's going cool. on that is i just guessed um, that based on body type because i'm all well, about men's body types <laughs> i can't believe you don't think lionel richie's better that's it's just more of a genre thing with me i'm more i'm kind of uh in my younger days i was kind of like a dirty um you know grungy kind of guy and marvin gay has a pretty big <laughs> hippie following and uh lionel richie's more of the clean cut ladies man you know i'm more of the uh, war what is it good for type <laughs> You're more of a ladies' man. You're more of the guy that's a ladies' man. All right. I mean, I'm going to try to get four. the girl to come to my tent and not to my hotel yeah, room. Yeah, you're going to try to get Marvin Gaye to come to your tent. I yeah. hear you loud and clear, buddy. <laughs> this is a hard one. And you're going to be able to guess just like the Marvin Gaye one. But who was the first player in NFL history to pass for 400 yards, four touchdowns, and rush for 50 yards in a single game? Was it Deshaun Watson, Steve Young, Michael Vick or Dak Prescott? Okay, so 400 yards, four touchdowns, and 50 yards rushing? Yep, in a single game. Steve Young. Steve Young is incorrect. Damn. It was Deshaun Watson. I knew that was too, too easy. Of his rookie season, Houston Deshaun Watson showed his potential as the league's next superstar quarterback. Unfortunately... He actually tore his practice, his ACL in the practice the following week. So we, we saw that, and then we're like, okay, now we don't get him. That's I can't believe really that shitty. stat combination didn't happen until the late, the most recent 21st century. I would have guessed, I would have guessed in the 90s somebody did that already. That's a pretty good. That's a pretty good stat. Yeah, I, Michael Vick, even like he was a gunslinger. Yeah. Well, and Steve Young early in his career was a hell of a scrambler too and so he was the oldest one on the list so that's why i just thought it was him but. yeah i uh all right last one this is a wide receiver one are you ready eric Gaysler? i'm ready i'm three for four and you're gonna be three for five who holds a single season record for touchdown receptions jerry the Man Rice, Tim Brown, Calvin Megatron Johnson, or Randy Mostum. I think I think the record is 18. And I honestly will have to guess on who it was. I don't even I don't know if even 18's right, but for some reason that number just went boom right in my face. I'm going to go Randy Moss. And I I can't remember if he did that or not. Okay, so but I love Randy, Randy Moss, Moss is correct. However, I can't believe you didn't remember this. In 2007, he set the record with 23 touchdowns. What? With the Patriots, right? Yep, that was yeah. the year that they went undefeated. Okay. I remember that year, actually. That was when I got introduced to Randy Moss and his piece. But did, you hear, did you hear what Randy Moss did last weekend? No, what? He flew to... Bristol, Tennessee on accident because he was supposed to be in Bristol, Connecticut for something with ESPN. 
<laughs> I swear to God, he did that. He 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 got off the airport and he was like, "Oh shit." <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh! Yeah, I just heard Poor that Randy. yesterday. I think so. I don't know if he's still token on that them lefty cigarettes or what. But <laughs> okay, so we can either we can either end it there, or we can do five questions for me, or we can save that for another show. Well, I didn't pull any up. All right, well, I could I could get on real quick. It's up to you. It's really up to you. I have nothing to do today. I'll get I'll give you some. Give me one sec. Start saying, start talking about like, um, I don't know any of that dumb shit you always talk about, and then I'll have some trivia. My dumb shit, my dumb stats. Some All Browns, right. start talking some Browns. Uh, you know what? I'll take this time to talk about my Cleveland Browns. I I knew it. Tweeted this the other day. Now, call me crazy, and I'm just spitballing, but I said a pipe dream. Of the Brown staff. Head coach, I put, I don't know. Offensive coordinator, Dan Orlovsky. QB coach, Drew Stanton. Keep the wide receiver, O-line, and running back coach, Henry Campen and Stump. But why not take a shot? You've got a team that has all this talent on offense. What better to do than go get someone who's recently been a quarterback, who can break down of playing football microscopically, maybe better than anyone I've ever seen on live television, which is a hard thing to do. Dan Orlowski breaks it down so well that the average, I don't want to say housewife because it can be anyone, but if the average housewife doesn't watch football and her husband is a diehard football fan, they're sitting together, they both understand it on different levels. He explains it in the way that the simple, the simpleton of football like, oh, okay, that's cool. And he breaks it down so efficiently that this diehard fan that watches football five times a week goes, oh, my, I never noticed that before. He breaks it down microscopically so well. Why not take a shot on him? You know, the other thing I was talking to my buddy Dan about was if Jason Garrett gets fired because he's been on the hot seat for 17,000 years, bring him in. He knows how to lead men. And you know who you bring in an offensive coordinator? Tony Romo. Who else breaks down plays microscopically? Who else knows what the defense is going to do and what the offense needs to do to beat it before everyone on live television? Tony Romo. Now, I know TV personalities don't always need to be coaches. But here's the thing. He's proving he's not doing a great job of commentating. He's not fun. He's not funny. He's not, like, just this great character. Tony Romo is so exciting and the best commentator in football right now because he knows what the hell is going on. Almost said it. Romo is good. He breaks it he breaks it down. He he knows what needs to be done before anyone else does. He knows what the defense is going to run. He sees the defense shift before the play, says what the quarterback needs to go with it. Take a freaking shot. You know, I'm not I'm not done on Munkin and Freddie Kitchens, but if you're going to change it up, get rid of these old men. Bring in these young guys that have played in the league that understand I, gosh, I could go on and on about that. Do you, well, do you have the trivia pulled up? Cause I'll just get really pissed. Yeah, I've, I've got something, but, uh, it should be noted that you freaking love Dan Orvlosky. You love him. I dude. do. You love he's him. He's smarter than hell. He, he's one of those media personalities that doesn't come on for the clicks. Here, here's my I problem would... with Orvlosky. 
Okay, I know what the Browns culture is like, and I know how the national media reacts to the Browns culture. The minute they hire that guy, they're going to be putting that clip where he ran out of the back of the end zone everywhere. And I don't know if you guys can withstand that. They, oh, they might uh, fire him just off that clip. They'll be like, oh, did you guys see that? We didn't see that. Here's the thing. Us <laughs> fans have endured much, much, much worse. That we watched brutal. Corey Coleman drop a ball for a clear first down against your Steelers. It would have got us a win in our winless season. We've experienced much worse pain. We can deal with Dan Orvosky running out of the back of the end zone because, honestly, he would have been one of our best quarterbacks in this stretch of quarterback changes. So I'm okay with it. And you can't hire someone like that as a head coach because, like we were saying, you need stability in there. I... I don't know that the Browns need to change it up yet, but something needs to happen in these last eight weeks to prove that it doesn't need to happen. Well, actually, this trivia I, I found is kind of a kind of a flop. Sorry about that. I went to useful trivia. Doc. I just went to useful trivia. I typed in football trivia. Okay. And then you have to answer the question, but then it shows you the answer. And so we'll keep talking about the Browns, and I'm just spitballing at this point. But Buckeye fans are going to hate this, but Jim Harbaugh is not the biggest crazy thing. He would need to get an offensive coordinator that knows what the hell he's doing. But Jim Harbaugh can lead. He's led Colin Kaepernick and the 49ers to the Super Bowl. Jim Harbaugh is not the craziest thing that can that could happen. I don't know if Freddie will be fired, but I can promise you, Twitter Warriors, John Dorsey's not looking at your tweets seeing who should be the next quarterback. So at this point, it's all speculation, but there's no point in arguing down to the last second why Freddie should be fired or down to the last tweet. They're not going to look at what you're saying. It, so we don't need to be hostile at each other, Brown's Twitter. This is just all... Just, John Dorsey doesn't care. He doesn't care. He's going to do what he thinks best. I don't know. Browns have been disappointing. Browns have made me sad. The Browns still have a beautiful roster, in my opinion. I think if they could just end the season right now, they would, they would head into next year with, with a fine chance at the division again. They need to avoid jumping off the cliff like they always do. They... They always do it. If they blow it up again, that they cannot blow it up again. That no. that's my opinion. This roster is so good. Maybe Kitchens. This roster you know, is so good. But don't replace Kitchens with a with a nobody. It if he if they decide he's got to go, it's got to be a legit guy. Otherwise, just keep him. But yeah. I do have the trivia now. If you if you're ready. Yeah, let's. I'll. Key to think music. Okay. The first one. How many passes? I gave you some softballs, so you better not be a dick here. Well, there are some hard ones on here. I'll get Okay, I'll th this first one's five. pretty soft. Um. We'll, we'll go with this. Actually, this this one might be kind of a trick question, but we'll give it to you anyways. How many passes did Brett Favre attempt for the Atlanta Falcons? Who, if you remember, that's who drafted him. Yeah. I, 
I don't think he attacked. Is there multiple choice? I gave you multiple choice. Oh, yes. The que the choices are 400, 0, 4, or 40. You know, I'm going to go with 4. 4 is correct. 4 is correct. He threw... Boom. Yes, yes. You want to know what the results were? Two interceptions. I'm going to guess an interception. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, he had two interceptions and zero completions oh in four attempts for his Atlanta Falcons career. Brett Favre is an all-time great, but my God, did he turn the ball over? <laughs> yeah, he did, and he didn't even care. the 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 final thing I ever remember about him was basically the Falcon, Fal or not the Falcons, the uh, the Vikings had the NFC title game in the bag. In the bag, he threw a ball. Across the entire length of the field, in crunch time for the the final interception. I mean, what's more fitting of an end to a career than that? You know, he was going for it all. <laughs> but uh, here we'll we'll ask another question. This one kind of creeps into uh, society as a whole. I think I think this is a softball. At least for me, it is. Who was the first openly gay player drafted by an NFL team? Michael Sam. Yeah, Michael Sam's right. Didn't even need the... Uh... Yeah, I'm pretty yeah, sure he washed out of the league pretty quickly, but former All-American Which... Defensive Player of the Year. There's got to be something deeper that went on there because he was the best player in college that year by a landslide. Yeah, he could have at least made a roster. I'm not saying he was some kind of beast, but he... Yeah. He fell out fast. I don't, I don't really know. And that's yeah, the thing about happened. the NFL. He got drafted by the Rams, I remember. Yeah, he was on the Rams. And there's something about the NFL and sports as a whole that really bothers me. I'll, I'll keep this quick. But this has nothing to do with uh, homosexuality or anything. It's What bothers me is they have all these fans that are super interested in the game. But the media is so critical that they force these teams to not be honest ever. So we never know what's going on. Like, for real. Like because every interview is well, we take one game at a time and we move forward, and everybody's scared to say anything. And it in sports in general, and it's really annoying because I think if we just lighten up, we could really be super entertained. You know, after a game, if there was an interview and and a guy was just no hold barred honest, like some of the stuff we'd hear would just be outstanding. But it is what it yeah. is. It is what it is. It, if a guy's honest, they crucify him. Like, look at Baker May Mayfield. It's mm -hmm. they they call him an idiot basically just because he he says what he he he's not even completely honest. He he gives like five percent honesty when other guys give zero percent, and they they kill him for that five percent. Yeah, they uh, do. Okay, here I'll give you another softball, and then I'll have to turn up the heat a little bit. This this is mega easy, but. Um, well, actually, oh, I don't want it then. I don't want it. Okay. I'll, I'll just say what it was just to kill the suspense. What player legally changed his name to match his jersey number? Chad Ochocinco. Yeah. Okay, here's Johnson. one. What year was the sudden death... Now, this is hard. What year was mm -hmm. the sudden death overtime period adopted by the NFL? Which we now know is no longer in action mm -hmm. but the 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 answers are 1964 1974 yeah. 
1984 or 1954. So basically, it's just giving you four different decades. Yeah, it wasn't 50 or 60. Um, I know that. I feel like 74, the NFL still wasn't even close to what it is now. You know what? I don't feel good about it, but I'm going to say 84. You should have went with your previous one. The answer was 1974. And they wanted to make the games quicker basically is why they did it because it, it used to go for the entire length like a soccer match um but yeah the answer is 1974 so you're two for three okay here's another really old question <laughs> what are the only two teams from the nfl's founding franchises that remain active you'll get you'll get this one i'm sure i didn't I've re- watched the video i'm pretty good at this one Okay, Vikings, Browns, Bears, Cardinals, Cowboys, 49ers, or Packers, Browns? Nope. Well, what? Yeah, the. Um, actually, what was the question? What are the only two NFL teams from the founding franchises that remain active? So the two teams that were in the founding of, of the NFL that are still active today. Actually, the answer is not even tough. what I, the answer is not even what I thought it was. So do you yeah, want to? So that means basically they could have transferred cities and stuff and names. Yeah. Well, I know the Packers are the only. The Packers are the only team to stay their same name, or one of the only teams. But I know they weren't in the founding group. So can you repeat the questions, the answers? Yeah. The Vikings and Giants is A, B. Bears and Cardinals, C, Cowboys and Niners, or D, Packers and Browns? Well, I don't love it because of the Vikings, but I know the Giants have been around forever. I... Now, here, here's the thing. You, you're on the right track of mind when you started talking about teams moving cities. And this one's kind of tricky because I'll give you a clue since this is so hard. Um, when they were founded... These two teams were in the same. These two teams have a history of being in the same city. Huh. I don't know. I don't know if it's even common knowledge that the second team. Oh, you That's... know, I don't. I don't really know what the answer is, but here's my logic to why I'm picking. Actually, I don't have any knowledge because you're confusing me. So my my original thought was Packers-Browns because I know the Packers have been the same Green Bay Packers. They've never changed names, never changed cities. And the Browns weren't a founding franchise, but Cleveland was. There was Cleveland, Akron, Dayton, Canton, Columbus. They had like six teams in the founding group. But the Giants... I, I just feel like the New York Giants have been a team forever, but I don't know who would have moved to Minnesota. I feel like they're just a expansion team. <sighs> I don't feel good at all, but I'm going to go Packers-Browns. No, the answer is Bears-Cardinals. The Cardinals were what in... What the fuck? Yeah, the, the, it was the Chicago Cardinals at that time. And believe it or not, the Bears were the Decatur Staley's. They're from Decatur. Oh my gosh. That's a tough one. But uh, I knew that the Cardinals were from Chicago. I had no clue the Bears weren't always the Bears. I didn't know that. 
So that was a that was a hard one. It really was. I'll remember this next time we do trivia. <laughs> Freaking well, asking thought... you who had the most touchdown receptions. You're like, who were the two first teams in 1902? Well, the, the reason I asked it is because I saw the answers, or I saw the options before I saw the answer, and I honestly thought the answer was the Browns. So I thought, well, he'll get this one. And then uh, and then it wasn't. And then I was like all confused. Once you heard me talking all confused, that's when I got confused. Um, so I'm pretty deep on this site right now, so it's kind of kind of tough. Well, uh, okay, this one here. Who is the only starting quarterback to win a Super Bowl with two different teams? Paid Manning. That's Give me a harder one than that to end it. <laughs> that, one, that was soft. Okay. You need to um, find a happy medium. Okay, this one... This was one of the most epic moments in NFL history. Like, I remember this. And it, to this day, I I still think it was probably the most exciting play in Super Bowl history or one of them. Plaxico Burris. No, this is... Uh, it's gotta be. Which Titans wide receiver was tackled one yard short of a potential oh God, game-tying dude. TD in Super Bowl? This was in, like, the 80s, wasn't it? No, this was uh, Super Bowl 39, so this would have been, like, 2002 or something oh, like that. This okay, was, so I was five. All this, right. This is the team that... Uh, the, back in when I was, like, 18, the Rams were, like, the greatest offense of all time. They had, they had like, Marshall Falk... Uh, Isaac Bruce, uh, Tory Holt, and Kurt Warner, the former toilet paper stock boy, and uh, but anyways, the the answers are Derek Mason, Kevin Dyson, Yancey Thigpen, or Chris Sanders, and I know this one. Uh, actually, okay, so read the. How about you read the receivers a little slower? Oh, you don't never heard of those guys. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just Derek, trying to wrap my head around a Titans team from 2002. I was five. Derek Mason, Kevin Dyson, okay. Yancey Thigpen, or Chris Sanders. And just to tell you that mem- like, memory is not a very reliable thing because did I not just say I remember this like it was yesterday and I already knew the answer? Well, I clicked the answer I thought it was, and I was wrong. So... And I and what? I have vivid memory from this play, so tell you right there. Their their best receiver back then was Derek Mason, and that's who I thought it was in my memory. It's not Derek Mason. Okay, so this... Derek Mason and Kevin Dyson are the two names that I know. Uh huh. It's not Derek Mason. Um, I I know Kevin Dyson for some reason. I don't know if it's because. He was a good player. I think he was a Super Bowl. No, not a Super Bowl. He was an MVP of something. I was reading it. It might have been something in college. I don't know. All right. Um. I. I I'm gonna have to go. Kevin Dyson. I know. I know that name for some reason, and I don't know why, but I do. Kevin, Kevin Dyson. Dyson is correct. The play went oh. down. The play went down in history as simply called the tackle. And I really did think huh. it was Derek Mason, but that play was incredible because he was running full speed, 
and the defender was nowhere near him. Or obviously he was near him because he tackled him, but it, it appeared like it, the touchdown was just a foregone conclusion. And all of a sudden, dude just took out his legs, and boom, he went down right inches shy to win the game. That was it. That was the last play. Tackled on the one. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Man, I need to go back and watch that. It was it was well, incredible. Did you go did you go four for five or three for five? Oh, uh, I went six for five. Okay. Yeah. So uh because I had that I, bonus from just being a beast. Okay, first of all, you missed a question. <laughs> no, I went four for so five. So you either went four or three for five. I went okay. four for five. You went four for five and you were asking me who the hell the founding teams in the NFL were and where they moved the most confusing damn question ever. Yeah, that was, that was my strategy. I want revenge. I want revenge. <clears throat> See if you get asked who the hell had the most touchdown receptions in a seat. Oh my gosh. I'm well, I mean, nervous. obviously the Arizona Cardinals were the founding father. I mean, everybody knows that. I don't know why you didn't know that. I mean, you're a podcast host for God's sakes. That's the thing. Arizona Cardinals are not known as the founding fathers of the NFL. Yeah, and the Decatur Flyers, like you that's didn't not know the them. team. <laughs> I think of the Canton. Uh, I think I think their name was the Canton Charge. To be honest, I know that's the name of the NBA G League team, but yeah, I think that was. I don't know. Canton was the powerhouse for a long time, but I don't know. I, that's all I got for the show. Thank you everyone for listening. Please download the show. It helps so much when you guys download and subscribe. Uh, it helps so much. Uh, you can find me on social media at Chandler Adams with two S's. <clears throat> on Twitter, you can find Geisler at ATB Goose with the capital G, lowercase everything else. Uh, Eric, what do you got for the ladies and gentlemen's herds? No, it's just it's been a good NFL season. It's good good to check in the midway point. Like Chandler said, just make sure you download if you like the show. Uh, tell your friends, whatever. And yeah, if everyone got one person to listen, that'd help a lot. Yeah, if you like to listen at work or mow the yard or whatever i know i'm a podcastaholic so and basically chandler's just lucky that i'm on the show if if i would leave the show i i would assume all you guys would come with me so just slide yeah, into my dms and we'll, how it would be yeah and then when i start my own show uh chandler can come on sometimes if you guys like but yeah, I'm going to drop a little interesting note. Ever since Geisler's been coming on the show, my numbers have actually went down. <laughs> I believe it. It's because I went from Browns to all sports. But, yeah, so um, Geisler, you can piss off. No, I'm kidding. Actually, um, the, the, the advanced analytics show that um, most of my numbers are driven. Most of the numbers are driven by interest in me. It's mm-hmm. on. Uh, well, where are you getting these advanced analytics? You you have to buy the higher subscription on PFF. I think you're just an elite member. You have to buy the <sighs> the green line or whatever it's called. It's like 159 dollars. Yeah, but, I'm uh, an Edge subscriber. Yeah, it's the I'm Edge cheap, just won't but... get you that. Edge won't get you there. Mm. So PFF is now an, uh, analyzing podcasts. Yeah, they listens. do everything. They do elections. They do. Uh, they do like water table content. You better. Somebody's gonna believe you out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> climate change. That's all, all I got. <clears throat> Go get PFF Green Line so you can see that Geisler is the inferior podcast host. But thank you all for listening. Download, subscribe, and tell your friends.